0: That's the smart thing to do, but I want to take, so stop being a coward. Let's go! Let's go! got
1: you What you gonna punch the table tonight? What you need hit everything to move. If the ref is
0: in your way, you hit it We ain't a podcast for nothing
1: to do. That'll take care of
0: y'all chicken. we you're ever gonna take care of y'all mantle. Welcome into the Fantasy Execution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelashadi. With me now and always is my boy, Kyle Settle. What is going on, my dude? What a dude, brother. So, I, uh, I'm assuming you uh, have a little sigh of relief this weekend, huh?
1: We started the podcast at the perfect time. It's been about three months now, and I've been on record saying that I knew this was going to happen the whole damn time. And obviously, I was never worried at any point, no matter how many fake reports came out. I knew it was going to happen the entire time, and it's all well documented. So now, between that and what happened with Cam Akers a week ago, I, I think my credibility is established as a prophet when it comes to all things football. <laughs> sure,
0: I'll, I'll give you the Aaron Rodgers thing, even though I was on your side for that one. Uh, the Cam Akers one, though, I can't. Okay, I can't give so it to you. You're going to give it to stuff. me, and I'm
1: going to you. <laughs> anoint you. I'm, I'm going to <laughs> bestow upon you the title of Piggyback Prophet. Congratulations. Wow. That might be the worst
0: nickname I've ever had, and I've
1: had some f***ing terrible nicknames.
0: Prestigious is the word you're looking for. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first from me, the Piggyback profit. The prophet. Piggyback Prophet. <laughs> yes! Uh, yeah, run with that one. I like that. All right, so let's get into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an
1: urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! x, Street, x Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale.
0: We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. First things first, the biggest news of the day. Nick Chubb signs a three-year, $36.6 million contract extension. Is this a surprise?
1: Not surprising. The scheme fit is obviously there. Other than the injury last year, Chubb had another great year in Cleveland, another great year running the ball. He was going into his contract year. He was set to be a free agent after this season. Now they lock him in for a a nice three-year extension that's going to take him through age 29 in Cleveland. And we could expect more of the same. He's going to be one of the highest floors in fantasy football at the running back position that you can get over the next few years. He's in a spot that's going to utilize him as the bell cow, as the lead back, and his, his place in fantasy, at least for the next couple of years, is solidified.
0: Yeah, it might sound like a dumb question when I say, does this surprise you? But in my opinion, the the Cleveland Browns are one of the closest things to money ball we've seen in football. So I thought maybe they, they'd be the team that doesn't sign their running back. You know, he's an all-star, great, fantastic running back, a player that a lot of people consider the best runner, pure runner in football. And I was thinking, man, maybe, maybe Cleveland's going to shock us all and not pay a running back. Um, you know, even one as successful and as talented as Nick Chubb because they're different. They're playing they're playing a different game. They're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. But lo and behold they do the Cardinal Sin, in my opinion. They paid a running back.
1: Well so Not they they signed a running back, but it it wasn't like the deals that have really come back to backfire that we've seen before, like the Todd Gurley and the David Johnson and I guess Jerry's still out, but even the Ezekiel Elliott deal when he signed this isn't a six-year, $90 million contract like we saw from Zeke, and, and it's nothing like we saw from the Todd Gurley or David Johnson contracts. I mean, although we're still waiting for the details to come out, we're talking about a three-year extension worth about $12 million a year. And and I'm just going to assume, and this is all assumption, that there's probably an out after year two of that extension, which is going to make up probably around $12, 14000000 million of that figure. So, it's it's gonna average out probably i'd guess between a 10 to 11 million dollar a year contract which for one of the game's top running backs and we look him at a look at him from a fantasy perspective where he's just yeah he's he's one of the really goods but when you talk about what he does for the football team and for cleveland he's an elite player at his position and he's absolutely deserving of making uh the 10 to 11 million dollars a year that i expect this deal to be worth
0: so the guarantees is 20 million i believe um, and the reason I think it's not smart is because, I mean, you look at all the, the great players they've drafted recently, they're going to have to start paying these guys. You know what I mean? Like people say Cleveland's in their window, right? Because they have Baker Mayfield on a rookie de- deal still. They have Miles Garrett. They have, um, who's the offensive lineman they drafted in the first round last year, playing really well. They have Denzel Ward. Um, a lot of young players on rookie deals are going to have to start paying these guys. And you know, the, the least amount of money you could dedicate to a running back, the better, and especially since he was still on a contract this year. You know, it's not like it was going to affect 2021. There was no word of him holding out, so I don't know. I mean, I might have egg on my face when it's all said and done, but I just, I just don't like it. I don't like.
1: You just hate about. running back signings, man. That's all it is. I do. I just. You, think you, you sound could. exactly like you sounded after the Aaron Jones re-signing a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean,
0: you could just find <laughs> replaceable. Talent there so easily and like I guess. Yeah, but if
1: you just need a one-year guy, you can go
0: sign a vet and get 80% of what Nick Chubb gives you and save a ton of money on it.
1: I I get what you're saying and I don't disagree with it. And it's weird that I'm gonna come across sounding pro-pay running backs when that's really not the way I feel at all. It's I've said the same thing about running backs as a lot of people have for a long time. They're just like kickers, right? Meaning that there's a few of them who are head and shoulders above the rest. There's a few of them starting in the league that are just do not deserve to be starting running backs. And then you got somewhere between 20 and 30 guys who are all interchangeable. But Nick Chubb's not one of those 20 to 30 guys. He's part of the guys, he's one of the guys on the one end of the spectrum that is an elite. He's a difference maker, and you can build an entire offense around him. Even though I'd say nine times out of 10, I'd be with you and saying, yeah, most of these running backs really don't deserve a second contract because you can go find their replacement in free agency or in the draft. But I don't think that finding Nick Chubb in free agency or in the draft is something you can really count on.
0: I Yeah, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. You know, don't hear what I'm not saying. He's a fantastic player. He's a great player. He probably deserves the money. It's just uh, wouldn't be me. That's all I'm saying. The biggest news of the past week and the news that we kind of mentioned here uh, to open the show, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers agreed to rework the contract. So he's back in Green Bay, and uh, he's bringing Randall Cobb back with him. Um, Huge news, massive news with many implications, both in real football and fantasy. But like we've been saying for the past six weeks, this this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. He was always going to come back. Nobody really knew what was going on in Aaron Rodgers' head, and that was his choice. He wasn't letting anybody in, wasn't letting anybody know, but I think this was his plan all along. Once he got control over his future, he'd be back in Green Bay. And lo and behold, we're sitting here in uh, just preseason's, what, five, six days away, and Aaron Rodgers is wearing green and yellow again. No surprise for us.
1: Yeah, it's what we've been saying the whole offseason. Big credit to Andrew Brand. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I think he's one of the best followers in social media, obviously an ex-executive with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you and I downplayed it, and it turned out we were right the whole time. We just didn't ever let all the, like I said, clickbaity materials that were floating around out there. Everyone's searching for clicks, and we, it was never us. We uh, we stayed true to what we were seeing, what we were hearing, what the actual news was, and if that was you, then this didn't come as a surprise from you. It's what you expected to happen the whole time. And now he's back. He says he has, he's 100% in. He gave a, a lengthy print press conference back on day one where he really just unloaded everything about the offseason. If you haven't watched it yet, I think it's definitely worth the watch. He seems to be completely invested in 2021, as does the rest of the Green Bay Packers. And like I've been saying, the, all, the whole offseason, I expect this year to be his final season in Green Bay. Uh, They reworked his contract, like you said, and now 2023 is a void season, meaning he's going to finish out this year in Green Bay, most likely get traded with one year left on his deal. And it does leave him some leverage as far as what team he will go to, although it's not going to be put in black and white that he has control over where he goes. He's going to get traded somewhere and whoever's taking on Aaron Rodgers in that trade is not going to do that trade without an extension on the table. They're not going to do, do make a deal for one year of aaron Rodgers? they're going to make a deal under the assumption that he's going to resign and obviously that's all up to aaron on whether or not he wants to resign with one of these clubs so ultimately he will control at least to a certain point where he ends up should he be traded after this season
0: you know we always try to project uh you know whose value is going to be ascending or descending uh here in about six months or whatever guys you want to invest in early or get out of early and uh I'm just curious, where where could Aaron Rodgers go where his value would be better than it is right now? I know the obvious choice for a lot of people is Denver because all sure. the weapons. Um, but, you know, if Denver doesn't make a move, you know, who's going to pony up for a 37-year-old quarterback? Not to say that – 38-year-old quarterback. Well, not I, to I think say he'll that, be
1: 38
0: this season. Rather. Yeah, I mean, not to say that he isn't worth it. Obviously, he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, Especially with his arm, you know, he may not be the most mobile, but he's uh, very—he's a great pocket manager. He's a great get-out-of-trouble guy, and and, and I think he could succeed anywhere. But for fantasy, we're more worried about the—you know—the statistical side of things. You know, where can he get the most yards uh, and touchdowns? And I don't know if any place is really better than Green Bay right now, besides probably Denver. But uh, you know, if Denver doesn't pony up, where does he go? I mean, so is it worth getting out of him now or no?
1: I'll float the same ideas that have been floated connected to uh, Deshaun Watson this offseason. What if it's Philly? What if it's. Uh, mm-hmm. Miami. I, I, both of those guys, uh, both of those teams rather, I think obviously would rather have Deshaun because he's much younger and those are much younger teams. And you, you try to apex at the same time. I don't know if either of those teams are really in win now mode. So do you go out there and make a move for Aaron Rodgers if he's only got another year or two left playing at the elite level? You probably assuming that he's back in football, hundred percent, rather have Deshaun Watson for that time being that he's about 13 years younger than Aaron Rodgers. Any team, I could see ponying up. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers is an idea with the receiving mm. core that they've got. Obviously, Roethlisberger in his last few years, if if maybe his last year, they still have enough talent in place. There's enough playmakers on that defense. It's still a good enough defense. A uh, couple of okay receiver or tight ends, but you've got a, tr- a three-headed monster at wide receiver that I think a quarterback at Aaron Rodgers level could really turn into elite weapons. Yeah, that would be that would be great in my opinion. I would love that.
0: I think that would be fantastic for his fantasy value, especially like a guy who wants to extend his uh, his window. You know, a guy who wants to win that, that makes sense. It's a great place to go. Um, I also wouldn't rule out some place like New England, a place that you know
1: Bill Belichick
0: really? zigs when everyone else zags, and you know, say Mac Jones doesn't show him what he thinks that you know he should, or, or he he's not the guy that he thought he was getting at 14 in round one of the draft this past year. Maybe he just cuts bait and he's like, you know what? I'm 70 some years old. I won a bunch of Super Bowls with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. It's time to get another one of those guys. You know, hitch my saddle to to an all-time stud and fun. see if we can make another run at things. I, I, I'm not saying it's the, the most likely scenario, but I'm saying don't count it out. And if it does happen, you know, maybe the fantasy numbers won't be there, but God, would that be fun to watch? I mean... He comes into in he comes into Brady's old digs and just starts lighting the world on fire, setting the NFC the AFC East packing for you know two three years. That'd be great. That'd oh, be awesome. And,
1: and just imagine if, since Brady's obviously never going to die, he makes it to another Super Bowl representing the NFC, and then you see Belichick with his new toy and Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline. Oh. What a Super Bowl that would make for! Probably uh, we should the- write this book. Oh, my God. This off season, this upcoming offseason, right, when all the speculations coming down again. If you thought this offseason was bad of the where's Aaron Rodgers going to end up, it's going to be so much worse next season.
0: Oh, yeah, but at least we can actually be on the side of uh, people saying he's not going to be there. So, you know, it'll be yeah. a lot more interesting.
1: Next year, it actually makes sense. Yeah, totally.
0: You know, it's something that doesn't make sense. Devontae Freeman signing a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I don't understand the signing. Uh, I think he's old and busted. Uh, great watching his career in Atlanta, but we saw what he did in, in New York last year. Not great, not very pretty. Uh, kind of sad to see an old fantasy stud uh, putting out poor performances like he was last year. But are you uh, are you concerned about anybody in that backfield? You know, losing touches to Devonta Freeman. Uh,
1: no, maybe a little. I mean, obviously this really? isn't, this isn't going to affect Alvin Kamara at all. We know that, but I've never been high on Latavius Murray, even at his peak when he was. "Quote unquote breaking out in Oakland." I never really thought he was that good of a running back, and he's been steady Eddie, if nothing else, when with his time with New Orleans. Camaro's role is obviously safe; he's never coming off the field for Devontae Freeman. The thing is, Devontae Freeman is—I think—he probably would closer be a closer comp to Alvin Kamara than he would to Latavius Murray, but. I don't know, maybe he spells Murray here or there, and the, or maybe the, he comes in on thir- some third downs and they move Kamara into the slot, something like that. I mean, it's Sean Payton. You can't put anything past him. He's going to try to be <laughs> creative with the weapons he has, but I'm completely with you. And what we saw last year with Devontae Freeman, where I, I, he couldn't even hold on to his starting job after Saquon went down. Like He couldn't even be that next guy up for New York. He ended up losing out to Wayne Gallman. So I'm I'm not picking him up in any formats or anything like that. If I'm an Alva Kamara owner, I'm not worried at all. And if I have to rely on Latavius Murray, I'm probably not in fantasy much longer. I should probably get out of the business. I wouldn't
0: even say that he's a lock to make the roster. I mean, we haven't seen the details of this deal come no, out yet. Yeah. You know, he, he might not even be on the team come week one. Uh, so there's a, there's a random signing for the day. We have Taysom Hill, also known as taking first team reps. So the people that thought um, Jameis is going to be the starter, you know, maybe – maybe not maybe not it looks like Taysom Hill's taking first team reps and 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 I don't think anybody should be surprised by this we talked about it last week when Michael Thomas uh the news the news dropped that he was not going to be able to start the season that Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback makes a lot of sense you might have to change your offense up completely and run a Taysom Hill led you know, rushing attack uh, that you frame your offense around. You you really can't throw the ball well with Taysom Hill. At least I don't think you can. And the weapons around don't really contribute too much of a a high-powered passing offense anyway. So Taysom Hill taking first-team reps, not a big surprise here.
1: Yeah, don't be surprised when we see uh, what's the name of the head coach from Navy, Ken Neo to I, I oh, can't know yeah, way yeah. I pronounce that. The guy who's been running the triple option for the last 20 years over mm. in uh, Annapolis. Just do, don't be surprised to see him come into New Orleans. Maybe run some triple option, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and hey, Devontae Freeman in the backfield. Oh, that'd be sweet. Ooh, now don't you're forget terrified about Adam as a defense.
0: Don't forget about Adam
1: Oh, yeah, Troutman leading the way. <laughs> Getting now, an end this, I mean, I'm signing up for this. I'm all about it.
0: All right, we'll move over to Denver, Drew Locke, and Teddy Bridgewater. Reports are out of Denver that there's no separation between the two. We don't know who's going to be the starter yet. Uh, I know me and you want Drew Locke for fantasy purposes, but uh, who do you think, if you had to to put a pin in it now, who's the starting quarterback for Denver come week one?
1: Uh, Both of these options are so uninspiring and just... The fact that they're not separating, I don't think, is a surprise, but it is going to affect the weapons because there are fantasy relevant weapons, obviously, in Denver. And that's really, I think, the only reason that this is getting any sort of attention in the fantasy community. You don't want anything to do with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, but the weapons that they are going to rely on, obviously, is what you care about. You don't care. Anyone who was an owner of Mike Evans or of Chris Godwin a couple years ago, when Jameis Winston was having his 30 30 season, which was just completely terrible for NF for the NFL. It was great for Fantasy And everyone loved the the fact that he was trouting out to low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver twos. And I think that's why you're going to have more people on the side of Drew Locke, because it doesn't matter how if he goes out there and throws interceptions, 30 interceptions for the season, as long as he can maintain a Cortland Sutton or a Noah Fant. Now, The contingency to this, or I guess the opposite view would be, is if you are a Jerry Judy owner or a Jerry Judy believer, you're probably rooting for Teddy Bridgewater in this one because you can't really rely on him to make those big downfield throws or those necessarily red zone throws that Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are built for. You want those checkdowns in the slot, those targets that maybe aren't necessarily very beneficial to real football but for fantasy they have a place and in any sort of ppr league and if you have uh jerry judy that you have to rely on to be in your lineup you want teddy bridgewater i think winning this job
0: totally yeah this is a uh a wishful thinking uh, for whoever you have on your roster you know if you have like you said if you have jerry judy and he uh, coming off that semi-disappointing rookie year you probably want uh a, a check down style quarterback like teddy bridgewater keep an eye on that one um Next, we have the 49ers signing Jordan Matthews. We talked about a few weeks ago. Jordan Matthews bulked up, you know, gained 147 pounds, and now he's playing tight end. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I don't know if this matters much. Um, Maybe it means Jalen Hurd is never going to be a thing. But
1: No, don't say that. (laughs) The fact that he's – has he even played in a game, Jalen Hurd, yet? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't think he has. I I could be wrong. Maybe he played, like, a portion of a game at some point, but – Man, I was I was semi-big on him. There was a lot of people that were, whenever he was coming out, really thought that he had that sky-high potential. He was like a third or fourth-round pick, uh, Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd, he? yeah. He was uh, mm. either late day two or early day three, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, uh, we'll finish up the, the news section with a little retirement. Sad to see him go. Theo Riddick is no longer playing in the NFL. Yeah. Hung him up. Had a pretty fun career out of Detroit. Uh, he was a thorn in a lot of fantasy owner side as a, as a touchdown vulture, a receptions vulture but he always made it for a fun player to watch uh, pretty solid career for, for an undersized back it was awesome.
1: Yeah, he was the reason that there was never any elite running backs in Detroit all those years, right? Has <laughs> nothing to do with the sure. the complete ineptitude of the organization as a whole. No, it's Theohridic's fault. But oh, no, yeah. I, I said the other day I comped a Theoretic's career. I, I called him Darren Sproles without explosion. Would you say that's a fair <laughs> comparison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no explosiveness, sense. Darren Sproles.
0: Well, Darren Sproles makes every other undersized back look even smaller because what he did at his size in his career is just mind-blowing. I mean, from when he was playing for the San Diego Chargers to when he was playing for New Orleans and then eventually Philly. I mean, he produced everywhere at a high level. So you can't really compare any of these satellite backs to, to Darren Sproles We'll make them all look silly. You're right. Injury roundup. This is going to be a new weekly thing for us. You know, with the unfortunately, starting perhaps. up. Yeah, unfortunately, for sure. Um, it's just part of the game. You know, it's a tough game. A bunch of injuries coming out in week one, and that, that's usually how it goes. You know, guys getting their bodies back into football shape. There's going to be some nicks, there's some bumps and bruises, and it always seems to hit some very relevant fantasy assets. So we'll start off the top with Colts quarterback Carson Wentz with a foot injury. Uh, he's not expected to be season-ending, according to Adam Schefter. Um, But from what I've read, they're getting a third opinion. A third opinion. Doesn't sound very inspiring.
1: <laughs> no. Isn't a second opinion good enough? I mean, yeah, if ready. you don't like what the first opinion is, you go for the second. They tell you the same thing. Ah, we're going to ask someone else. Like, well, all right, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's
1: definitely rough for a quarterback that a lot of people had on sort of more or less deep, quote unquote, deep sleeper list. One of those uh, low-end quarterback twos that you could usually get pretty late in super flex drafts and really at any point in single quarterbacks that he does have a lot of upside. He's a guy that we've seen do it before, obviously, in his years and Philly, where he's been that top three or four option at quarterback, and then everyone was sort of excited to see what he'd do, reuniting with his old coach, Frank Wright, a much improved O-line from what he had last year, uh, some young, albeit unproven, uh, wide receiver re- weapons. There was a lot of optimism, I think, around the Colts' offense as a whole, and then obviously throw in their uh, their stud running back, Jonathan Taylor. This is going to be tough. They, uh, they, they don't really have any inspiring names to back him up. They just brought in uh, what's his name? Oh, Brett Hundley from Arizona and Green Bay. That he's going to compete for the backup job. This is a wide open division. Looking at it from a football standpoint, this is going to put a big swing in things because I think the Colts were Vegas favorites going into the season. I think they uh, they overtook Tennessee. I think Tennessee with got within half a game or so may have overtaken them after the Julio trade. Since then, I I, I dare say Indy has been has since returned to the favorites in the AFC South. This is probably going to push Tennessee back up and. Really, it's just a disaster for everyone who is grabbing Michael Pittman late or anyone who still believed in Paris Campbell, the Mo Alley Cox truthers out there because there's one in every league who's going to pick him up. And it's going to be tough, but... uh it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy the running game after this. If they do have to go to a a backup uh, quarterback for an extended period of time, how does that affect Jonathan Taylor? And it's going to be interesting to watch.
0: Speaking of the backup quarterbacks, when you have Jacob Eason, you have Sam Ellinger, and then you have, like you said, uh, Huntley that they just brought in. So, not very inspiring options to throw in at quarterback if Carson Wentz uh, is in fact injured i mean and say what you will about his, his season last year it was absolutely horrible but we at least have seen him play at a very high level an mvp caliber caliber level and well, that's what a lot of mvp his... caliber level caliber <laughs> level <laughs> uh but that's what a lot of people were hanging their hats on now it's looking like you know he's just he's just injured again and it kind of sucks especially I mean, even for Eagles fans, you know, we, we need him to play 75% of the snaps for that second-round pick to turn into a first-round pick. So, you oh, Eagles yeah. fans out there, Ooh, don't that's look at Carson Wentz saying, hey, you know, good thing we got rid of him. No, you want him to stay healthy, you want him to play – Seventy-five percent of the snaps. That's a spin
1: It'll, I hadn't heard yet. Yeah, is there, trust uh, is, me. That was the
0: first thing I thought of when I heard. <laughs> oh, of course it right. would be. <laughs>
1: there, there was no sort of. Uh, I'm sure you looked at the deal when it happened. There was no sort of sort of like injury clause in that or anything.
0: No, that was the whole reason for the for the second turns into a first thing. Yeah, I, I
1: I do remember that now, but yeah, I didn't the, remember the maybe there was like an injury cop out or something like that. Yeah,
0: I mean Chris Ballard, one of my favorite front office executives in the league. Yeah, you know, he's no dummy. I'm sure he knew that this was definitely. There's definitely a chance this happens, yeah. and if it does, they want the themselves covered so if he doesn't play the, the parameters are 75 percent of the snaps or he plays 70 percent and the Colts make the playoffs
1: there's no I don't think there's either any way either of those things happen at this point I mean they're if talking he misses about is
0: more than two games that's probably out, out of the window yeah that's probably yeah
1: bad. and and it sounds like this is definitely going to be a multi-week injury if you're the Colts and you're already without him for a couple weeks all it takes is him missing four games and you're moving this pick up a full round then why would you rush him back? Like, if there's any sort of – even if this is like a, a two-week injury, why not just keep him on the bench for an extra two weeks? This just seems like all the excuse I need to keep Carson Wentz on the bench for at least four weeks.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it, you probably wouldn't do that, you know, like because if you're a head coach, you want to win. If Carson Wentz gives you your best chance to win and he's healthy, you're putting him in there. But, you know, if they get close to the end of the season and they're not in playoff contention, then all they have to do is sit him for maybe one or two more weeks. And yeah, maybe. They they recollect that first round pick and only owe a second round pick to the Eagles. So that's a little spin on that that you know Eagles and Colts fans can pay attention to. Everybody else, especially those listening to this for a fantasy angle, <laughs> you, I hope you skip the last few minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they start their season. They've got the Seahawks, Rams, and then division rival Titans. Week four, they have the Dolphins. Week five, they have the Ravens. So a really tough stretch oh, there. Shit. Weeks yeah, week three through five with the Titans, Dolphins, and Ravens all on the road. Yeah, I don't see any way that I'm bringing Carson back to face that gauntlet. Then wow. it gets a little bit easier. You got the <laughs> Texans at home, but even after that, you got the Niners, and then Tennessee again. Holy cow! That that first half of the schedule is yeah. brutal for Indianapolis. Yeah,
0: that might is that that might have done it. That might have closed the door on the Eagles getting a first round pick for Carson Wentz, and uh, which sucks because they would have had three first round picks because they have Miami's. Miami too, um, yeah, and then they would have had the Colts. But that's enough time talking about the Colts. Dak Prescott. Got an MRI on his throwing shoulder, and it turns out to be a shoulder sprain. All you Dak owners out there can relax, take a deep breath. He shouldn't be missing a ton of time with a shoulder sprain. Okay.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that
0: that being said, it's not something you want to see, especially this early in training camp, but it happens. And he's also coming off of not playing football for almost a full year. Okay, So his body needs to go through this process of getting his bumps and bruises out of the way. It happens. It's natural. Don't stress out. Dak should be good for week one. Another quarterback, Lamar Jackson, on the COVID list, as well as wide receivers Curtis Samuel for Washington and Andy Isabella for Arizona, all on the COVID list. Not good news. Uh, there's no real analysis on this stuff. It's just wait and see. You know, you don't know if they actually have COVID, if, if they were close to somebody who had COVID. It's just something you got to wait and see. If, if you already drafted them, nothing you can do. If you didn't draft them yet, maybe you can get them at a discount. I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing, um, but it's something to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah, I'm not worried so much about uh, Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he's been the franchise quarterback for there, there for some time. So Curtis Samuel, I think this does have a little bit of an impact. Anytime you're a wide receiver going to a new team, you, you, got, you got a lot of stuff that you got to learn very quickly. You got to learn a whole new playbook. You got all this new verbiage. And then obviously getting in sync with your quarterback. And, and he's going to be missing some time for that. And Andy Isabella, he's, he's an end-of-the-bench roster stash anyway at best right now. I don't think this has much impact on his dynasty value at all.
0: So the one thing about Curtis Samuel that you can have a little comfortability with is that he is reuniting with Ron Rivera and also Scott Turner, his former OC, North Turner's son um, from Carolina. So at least the learning curve should be a little bit smaller. I'm sure the playbook has changed a little bit since he was in that offense, but uh, it shouldn't be that drastic of, uh, you know, like a rookie or completely different guy coming from a spread to a run heavy offense kind of thing. So finally, our last set of injury news actually second to last Kenyon drake and ramondre stevenson both activated from the non-football injury list we did talk about ramondre stevenson i believe last week or two weeks
1: ago yeah we talked about R- him going on the nfi yeah
0: yeah so rookie um he's getting back on the team hopefully you know he can come back in and and, and get
1: <clears throat> more acclimated
0: quick quicker than uh he, he would have had to otherwise but good to see him back on the field and Kenyon drake the 11 million dollar running back is uh, back on the field in Oakland. I feel like you hate him. I just I've been <laughs> burned by him.
1: Oh, that's and why.
0: I feel like he's he's not that good. Like I, I'm not holding on to the. I thought he was good going into last year, so you know I still think he's good. It's like no, I thought he was good. I watched him play. And never, bad. I was, I was turned off. Yeah, hey, I mean, you I, I should have listened
1: to your boy. I was saying, it. I mean, we didn't have a podcast to back it up at that point, so I can't go back and check the tapes. But <laughs> yeah, now I was not said, touching him anywhere last year. Gosh, that ADP was out of control. There's two ADPs looking back that really stick out of me that I'll never forget. And that was Kenyon Drake going in the first round last year, and he then went the first round last year. He, he was the end of the first round pick last year. It, it was ridiculous. Jeez. He was, uh, depending on the site you looked at, he was somewhere between the one ten and like. Like the 206 like it, it swung a little bit Jeez. there towards the top of the second but his was only the second most outrageous the first i remember is back in 2015 when eddie lacy was going as the 103 in fantasy drafts and as a packers fan i was looking at that saying what the hell is that about shreddy that was ridiculous lacy. shreddy lace i think that was <laughs> the year that he started eating again and he finished as like the rb 22 <laughs> or something
0: Like he was like a former drug addict. He started eating (laughs) again.
1: (laughs) My God. Kelvin Benjamin's role model, apparently. That's a good
0: throwback call, though. I haven't heard that name in a while. 2015.
1: Shreddy Lacey. All right.
0: And finally, to round up our injury roundup, OJ Howard is practicing again. He's back, the uh, the best bust tight end in the past however many years. He's back practicing. Are you worried about it? Are you uh, are you looking at any of these tight ends in uh, Tampa Bay? Are you staying steering clear?
1: Well, it's good news. I'm not going to dive into it too much because we are going to talk about OJ Howard a little bit later on the show today. But it is worth noting that this is the first time he's been back practicing since tearing his Achilles last season. The same injury that just destroyed Cam Akers a couple of weeks ago is the same one that OJ Howard is returning from. But the fact that he's back practicing, I don't know, maybe you Cam Cam Akers owners can take a little solace in that, seeing that he was able to come back and get back on the field in less than a year. But, I mean, obviously two very different positions when it comes to tight end and running back and the way you have to utilize that part of your body in the different spots.
0: Yeah, so you kind of mentioned it there. What we're doing today is we are looking at players from all four major positions in fantasy and trying to analyze the difference between where they're going in redraft and where they're going in dynasty, trying to figure out why there is a gap And uh, if we agree with it or not, and tell you kind of maybe where you can find value in either redraft or dynasty. So since we started talking about OJ Howard, you want to start with tight ends?
1: Sure, we can do that. Uh, Just one last contingency to throw on there. Obviously, you could go anywhere and find differences in redraft ADP and dynasty ADP. But nine times out of ten, the reason for that difference is going to be due to age. No one's asking themselves why Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going so much higher in redraft than they are in dynasty. It's obvious, okay? These are guys that we're going to talk about, these eight guys that we've got put in front of you with massive differences between their dynasty and their redraft ADP, and we believe it to be for reasons that are not related to age. So we're going to talk about them, and like you said, we're going to start with O.J. Howard. So O.J. Howard is going as redraft tight end number 30. So a tight end three by my math. Did I do that correctly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when that you don't is want. That's <laughs> correct. When you. Spanish Armada. Uh, 1588. That is correct. When you don't want a uh, lower-end tight end 1 or high-end tight end 2s on your team, then obviously tight end 3 is probably not someone that's even being rostered in most leagues. I don't know if I'm going to present a case against it, but I am going to say that I do think that tight end 30 is is definitely he's undervalued right now. And Dynasty, is going as the tight end 24. It's pretty obvious what his major downfall is and it's the fact that he can't stay on the field. He's never played a full game. Out of the 64, or played a full game. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's played a full game. He's not that bad. Never played a full season. For the 64 games in his four-year career that he's been eligible to play, he's only been able to get in on 42 of them. So obviously there's injury concerns. I'll take you back to 2018. He did show us, even though he missed about half the season, but he did show us in the half of the season that he was there that he can be a good tight end. He finished as the tight end five that season and half PPR points per game. So he has flashed that ceiling here and there but obviously never long enough to put it together for an entire campaign. So is this a guy you're just completely hands-off of no matter what? Because we talked about him a little bit prior to this, and it seemed like I was more pro and you were definitely more against. I'm fine with rostering OJ Howard because – a year from now his value is going to be better when one of two things is going to happen he's either going to stay in Tampa and Gronk's going to be gone who's a free agent or OJ Howard who's also a free agent is going to go somewhere else and people are going to get excited just because it's a new scene but you seem to be pretty much hands off no matter what
0: yeah so I think like like you a lot of people look at OJ Howard and think better days are coming I think that's why he's 24 in the dynasty rankings and 30th in redraft because you know he has Gronk in front of him right now and In Tampa, he's he's put on close to nothing uh, to make you think that he's he's worth a pick or worth a start here in 2021. But a few things I have to mention about OJ Howard to clear up why I'm just not I can't possibly get excited about him is you know his last close to full season. uh, By the way, he's never played a full season. Um, in 2019, but he, he has played, played four- a full
1: game. Can can we verify <laughs> yes, that he has played he has, a full game? Okay, he has played a full. I'm surprised he played a full <laughs> game, but he has played a full game.
0: He finished as a tight end one one time in 14 games in 2019. Uh, in all of his career games, he's had less than or excuse me, in 30 of his 42 career games, he's had less than six targets. He has never ever gone over 100 yards. He's only had more than one touchdown twice in his career. Uh, You've already mentioned it. He's missed 22 games in four years, which, if you add that up, is more than a full season. (laughs) His ADP ADP being six spots higher in Dynasty, I think, is strictly due to his athleticism and the possibility that he makes it out of Tampa and becomes something, maybe a low-end, tight-end one. But, you know, let's not forget a low-end, tight-end one doesn't really do much for your fantasy team. Uh, it's more of a spot start that you'd be happy to have than than a guy you have to consistently trot out there.
1: So uh, no one's taking him as their tight end one. You're you're taking him as an end of the bench stash in. I think this is the big reason for the disparity between the ADP's is you don't have the roster size to do this in redraft. You you, you can't afford to keep OJ Howard at the end of your bench holding on to his spot thinking he might be worth a start. In dynasty, you can still hold on to him. You have enough roster spots that if he does go somewhere else, if he's the one over Gronk or Gronk gets hurt or something like that, he does have value this year. I just don't think your rosters are big enough to do it in redraft. But let me ask you if if everything did all come together and he stays healthy for a full game and then a full season, <laughs> and he's the one somewhere. Do we agree that he has the talent to be at least a top six tight end, should that happen? Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: I I think it's uh, – I don't know if, if he's just broken mentally, but, like, everything – if you look at his player profile <laughs> – prayer – Jesus. Get his it. player Get profiler it. page. It looks like the New York City skyline, dude. There's just right. skyscrapers. guys are the – Everything's in the 90-something percentile. So that alone is enough to get excited about a player, any player, let alone tight end where athleticism might mean the absolute most mm-hmm. um, of, of all the factors you take into account. So, yeah, it's of course, that's the reason why everybody was so excited about him when he was first coming into the league. And uh, I put something in the show sheet. It was more just a with you than anything but i said he was kyle pitts before kyle pitts oh come on man i didn't even see that <laughs> yeah no, I, I could tell you to notice it because i figured you would have brought that oh up. man no, i see it <laughs> but yeah i mean he's crazy athletic so it's obvious it's obviously uh easier to think he's going to be something but we got to remember it's 2021 it's not you know 2017 anymore we've seen him do nothing so don't don't get super excited about the theoretical upside he's he He's still fairly young, so I would keep him on your bench. Um, and I guess it does make sense that he's 24th in the Dynasty ADP as opposed to 30th in redraft just because of the athleticism. But, man, even if everything goes right in Tampa Bay this year, who is he getting targets over? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to see a path forward for him this year. Someone who is not tough to see a path forward and I brought him up last week, is Tyler Higby, the next tight end that we're going to talk about. So he's a lot higher in redraft than he is in Dynasty. And he's going right now as the redraft tight end 11. But where I really think you could give value for him is in Dynasty, where he's going as the tight end 17. Now he's 28 years old, which is not young. I would say either smack dab in the middle of his prime or maybe just going into his prime as a tight end. And we as dynasty community owners will always tell you never to look further than to about two, three years in the future. Cause it's just too unpredictable. You have no idea where things are going to be. And I can look for at least the next three years for Tyler Higbee and be optimistic about his situation. So looking at uh, Tyler Higbee's next th- two, three year window He just passed up his potential out in his contract with the Rams. They could have cut him going into the season, and obviously they didn't. They decided to let Gerald Everett walk, and they keep Tyler Higbee in-house. He's under contract with the Rams at a relatively cheap figure for the next three years. He's set to be a free agent way off in the future in 2024. I don't care about 2024, even as a dynasty owner right now. I'm not looking that far in the future. There's just way too much unpredictability that could happen from them. I really went into it in depth on why I liked him last week when we were talking about offenses we were targeting, the LA Rams being one of mine, and how great he was in the games without Gerald Everett in his career. Just a quick reminder, his 16-game pace in games without Gerald Everett, 128 catches, 1,536 yards, and 13 touchdowns should you extrapolate that time over a full season. Obviously, Gerald Everett is gone, and now it is completely Tyler Higby's job. So, he's a target of mine in both redraft and dynasty i think he's being undervalued in both in redraft i think he has a top four top five ceiling and in dynasty like i said i'm not trying to look three years into the future i'm not trying to predict 2024 right here as we sit in the end of july beginning of august 2021
0: i think you laid it out perfectly i i think actually looking at all these guys that we have on the list here today he might be the the best value that you get uh, all the guys we'll talk about today and you think about you know, him being, you said he was 28, right? Yes. So we look at Logan Thomas last year, had a great season. He was 29. He's going on his 30th season, and Logan Thomas is getting His drafted. 30th season. 30, 30-year-old 30 oh, Damn, old he's season. been playing a while. <laughs> Who's that, Tom Brady? No, he's got a, he's going into his year 30. Jesus, his 30-year-old season. <laughs> uh, so if, you th- if you're worried about Tyler Higby's age, you know, don't stress about yeah. it. Especially because, you know, at least he has Matt Stafford there for the next few years and, and that offense looks like it's only getting better. So Right. I like that pick. I like that pick. Let's move on to our wide receivers. And we're gonna start with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is going thirtieth in redraft. Not a terrible spot, but he's going fiftieth, fifty five zero in dynasty, which I think is outrageous. Wide I receiver mean, fifty. Wide receiver fifty, excuse me. That's that's behind a, a lot of guys that I would not take ahead of him. And I think, you know, Robbie, ha- Robbie Anderson, he doesn't get a lot of play. He doesn't get a lot of pub. Not many people talk about Robbie Anderson, and I don't I don't really know why. I mean, he started off last year really, really solid, and, you know, that was when Christian McCaffrey was still on the field, and he started to kind of slow down as the season went on. And that team in general started to look a little suspect as the season went on, usually bad teams Offenses start to really sputter out halfway through the year, and they're playing uninspired football by the end of the year. Now, you look at what this team has going for it coming into this year. They bring in Sam Darnold. Say what you will about him, but he's had, Robbie Anderson that is, has had success with Sam Darnold in the past. If there's any wide receiver that I think can succeed with Sam Darnold, it's Robbie Anderson. I don't think that's anything to really worry about. Whether it's a lateral move from Teddy Bridgewater or an increase for Robbie Anderson, you won't know until until probably the first four weeks or so. But there's definitely a reason to, to suspect that it will be brighter days ahead for Robbie Anderson there. He's only 28 years old, not too old for a wide receiver. I think we could probably get three years or so out of him as a, as a guy you can start. So I think he's definitely a value going 20 spots lower in
1: Dynasty than he is in Redraft. What do you think? So you and I are going to be coming across opposite ends of the spectrum on this one. I'm going to paint a picture. Ooh, really? Mr. Mr. Negativity is here to bring you no, back, back down to earth. He's back. all right. So which one do you want me to tear down first? You want me to talk about his wide receiver 30 redraft ADP or his wide receiver 50 dynasty ADP? Uh, you know, you know, you know I'll just, dynasty, I'll just combine it. I'll do I it all together. I'll, okay. I'll, des- I'll destroy the whole argument. at once. Okay? <laughs> okay. All right. So last season he's coming off the greatest, greatest year of his career, uh, a pretty decent margin. You could say his 2017 was close, but last year was definitely the best year of his career. He caught 95 catch or yeah, 95 footballs, 95 passes over the course of the season. That is 32 more than he's ever caught in his career. As great of a season as it looked like on paper, he was severely fading the second half of last season. He started out like a man on fire, okay? But his final eight games, that second half of the season, which I don't think is too much to extrapolate. I do a lot of extrapolation, a lot of just match this game and take hey, out the gotta season. Yeah, you try to predict. Sure. But eight games, that's half the season. That's a pretty large sample size I think we can trust. He was the wide receiver 43 over the second half of last season, averaging under 10 fantasy points and half point per game. Like you said, 28 years old, that's not a death sentence. You might be able to get a couple more years out of him, but this is the reason that his time is coming to an end. His name is Terrace Marshall. He's the Robbie Anderson replacement in the offense. He was drafted, what, in the second round of this spring's draft, and – these two are so comparable. The difference between them is that Robbie Anderson is a 28-year-old undrafted free agent. Terrace Marshall is a day-two wide receiver. This guy comes in with draft capital, and he does everything that Robbie Anderson does, but in my opinion, a little bit better. I think by the end of this season, we are going to see that changeover. And next season, Robbie Anderson an unrestricted free agent. So now he's got to clutch on somewhere else because if Terrace Marshall is his replacement, then he's got to go make it somewhere else. He no longer has a job in Carolina. And the job he was playing last year was sort of that check down area that we, we saw him and DJ Moore sort of sort of switch roles last year where Robbie Anderson was that underneath guy when he was being effective and DJ Moore was more the down-the-field threat. I don't know if you know this, but Christian McCaffrey is actually pretty good at catching short area passing. No. He's going to be back this coming season, and he's going to take so much of that volume. There's a reason he's never caught more than 63, talking about Robbie Anderson, never caught more than 63 passes until last year, just because there were so many vacated targets underneath from McCaffrey being gone. So between McCaffrey coming back, Terrace Marshall eventually taking his job, I don't like Robbie Anderson this year, and then given next year he's going to be 29 years old, a free agent looking for a new home, I can't really bet on that in Dynasty either.
0: Yeah, I mean you you can extrapolate the, the last eight weeks of the of the year, but if you take every week of the season last year that he played, he was he was top ten in target share, top ten in receptions, top ten in yards after the catch, as well as fifteenth in the league in air yards. So air yards is kind of over talked about in my opinion, but it at least leaves some room for potential. You know, if he gets some upgraded target quality uh, from a better quarterback, a potentially better quarterback than Sam Darnold, then there is room for for his fantasy finish to, to be higher this year than it was last year. And I just think I've always been a huge fan of Robbie Anderson. I think he's very dynamic. What a lot of people saw as just a deep threat in, on the Jets, in my opinion, is much more than that. And I think he finally proved it playing out of the slot, playing a more close to the line of scrimmage player. I think he has a, a full bevy of talents that a wide receiver would need to succeed in all, in all areas of the field. So the fact that he proved that, he has his old quarterback, he's playing for a coach that coached him in college, and coach him in the NFL now. I think he's. I think he's a great investment. And honestly, I can't. You got me kind of between a rock and a hard place with the Terrace Marshall things. I love Terrace Marshall, and I think that he will get his due. But I'm not so sure it happens in year one, especially because he's coming off an injury. Terrace Marshall, and also Robbie Anderson proved it last year. Terrace Marshall has yet to prove anything in the NFL, and you know how I'm fairly skeptical of rookies. So um, I still love Robbie Anderson, but I see your points.
1: So one, one last thing to say about Robbie Anderson. And although it was the best year of his career, only three touchdowns in spite of playing 16 games and a career low by almost three yards, 11 and a half yards per perception for a wide receiver that averages about 15 for his career. As much as we did see improvement in volume, we saw massive drops in a lot of other statistical areas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. He only had three touchdowns when, when he was top 10 in, in target. Top 10 in targets and target share. So it's crazy. I mean, I think that would kind of regress, positive regression there. So, all right, who's our second wide receiver? Jerry Judy. Oh, are you asking Judy. me? Yes, yeah, right.
1: I, I, yes. Was, I was giving you the <laughs> handing you over the lead here. Yes, Jerry Judy. So uh, he's going as the wide receiver 24 in Dynasty, a low end wide receiver two. But in redraft, he's going all the way down at wide receiver 36. So, This should be pretty obvious. We talked about it a little bit in the news section of the show as to why he's valued so much more for his long-term as opposed to the short-term, and it is the quarterback situation in Denver. So you and I have talked about Jerry Judy several times over the summer. You've always come in higher on him than I am. I will tell you that I've grown a little bit closer to the mean, call that positive regression back to the mean, in my opinion, of Jerry Judy, that he's probably closer to that 24 Dynasty ADP than somewhere in the 30s, which is where I had him for most of this offseason. Like I said, during news and notes, Teddy Bridgewater will be his saving grace should he win the starting job because he is a volume guy and he's not going to get that volume, I don't think, from Drew Locke. He had all the issues last year with Locke, all the catchable targets or uncatchable targets that he received, all the drop passes whenever they were on target. I'm, I'm with you that drops are not a sticky stat So and, and he never had a problem with it at Alabama. So I think that's a, the main reason you can excuse that and say it was just a lot of bad luck last year. As far as where I would take him. I think as far as a team construction point of view, you definitely want to have him as your wide receiver three or later. I I get his ADP being at the low end wide receiver two spot. He's one of those guys who's going to always present a high floor, but he's never really going to present that high of a ceiling, at least in a season long capacity. I'm sure he'll have spike games here and there, but he's never someone I would want to rely on to be my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two. He's someone I'm perfectly okay with or even excited about as my wide receiver three or my flex play. But for me, Courtland Sutton, no one, no a fan on that offense are going to have much higher upside on a week to week or year to year basis. So I, I'd rather target one of those guys before I get Judy. But I will say I am sort of coming around to the consensus of Judy as, uh, dynasty wide receiver two, wide receiver three.
0: So in, in redraft and dynasty, I want to hear your, your, your pick here. A guy we've been talking up a lot this summer is Devontae Smith. They're back to back Jerry Judy and Devonte Smith at at twenty four and twenty five in the dynasty ADP. Who would you rather take at that spot?
1: Gosh, is it bad that I just want to answer everything that's close with it's a team construct thing Cause no, it, it Because it really is that's a
0: smart thing to do but I want to take so stop being a coward.
1: Okay, so if I so let me paint the picture for each of them. The way that I would want Jerry Judy is if I go wide receiver heavy and I I need someone to fill that wide receiver three or that flex spot. If I just need someone who's going to score me points every week. Now, if I punt on the wide receiver position and I wait until the middle eight rounds to address it, then I need to shoot for the ceiling. Then I need to shoot for Devontae Smith because he has a much higher ceiling than Jerry Judy and obviously a much lower floor. So it just depends on how I attack the position. But in a nutshell, I'd probably rather have Devontae Smith, but there's obviously a path that I would rather have Jerry Judy. I think
0: I'd rather have Jerry Judy in redraft and dynasty. And I I think I'm a little bit not opposite of what you're saying, but I'm definitely opposed to the him not having a high ceiling thing. And I I think he is the exact, he's the perfect representation of how important a quarterback is. To an NFL team and your fantasy team in terms of who's throwing the ball to your, to your uh, the wide receivers that you're drafting. Because that's what is capping his ceiling. There's no way Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater can turn him into a, wide receiver, a high-end wide receiver 2 or a low-end wide receiver 1. So you might actually, in redraft, be drafting him closer to his ceiling than you think right now. But... That's why he's higher in the dynasty rankings, because the, the Broncos are going to be forced to address, address the quarterback position sooner rather than later. God, I can't speak today. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, him being 12 spots higher isn't surprising. Uh, and I also can't really say that you're getting him at a value here because, you know, we don't know which quarterback they're bringing in. He's definitely a, a uh, wait and see kind of player for me. But if you like him a lot, you're gonna have to buy him now while there isn't a quarterback in town. Because once they get somebody right, for with sure. some hype, you know his his ADP is gonna skyrocket.
1: And would I be wrong in saying that I really predict a Jarvis Landry esque? Continuation, I guess, for his career. Like, if he becomes Jarvis Landry and he spends the next three or four years catching ninety to one hundred and ten passes every season, scoring a handful of touchdowns, close to a thousand yards, like that—that's what I really see in the future of Jerry Judy. And there's a place for that, obviously, in fantasy. Yeah.
0: Now, that wouldn't surprise me, and I think that might be his play style. What I think makes him a better, you know, prospect coming into the league. I can't say he's a better player than Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has a, has had a great career. He's just been more athletic and more dynamic at the college level than Jarvis Landry was. But yeah, I, I could totally see the playstyle comp. I think that's a good playstyle comp for him. Um, but I, I can't imagine, you know, a guy that gets drafted as high as Jerry Judy gets drafted, if he has a role in your offense the way Jarvis Landry does. Um, are you happy with that investment? Like almost a top ten wide receiver. If, if you do it in the way
1: that I said, is if he's your third or fourth receiver on your team, then you're happy with that. But if you have to rely on that at your wide receiver one or two, then no, you're not going to like that.
0: All right. That's enough of the wide receivers. We're moving on to running backs. So we got two guys here that, you know, their ADPs have been kind of fluctuating, but where we have them here, we'll start with Chris Carson. He is the 16th running back off the board in redraft and 23rd off the board in dynasty. And I think it's kind of underrated how good he was last year. I mean, he was an RB one mm-hmm. five times last last, last year, year. That's really impressive. Well, yeah, that's true. And uh, the the team is tied to him. They signed a new contract with him. It's a three year deal. Um, but I think when you start to look at it, you dive into it on Track, you find out that it's more of a one to two year deal. Right. There's a potential out in 21, or, excuse me, in uh, 2022 with a dead cap of just three million dollars, uh, which you know to us lay people as a ton of money but sure three million dollars to an nfl franchise really isn't much and then and, and i mean if you seen? you've seen teams be more comfortable uh letting dead money hit the books than they have in past in the past so the team has also shown a desire to bring in new backs i mean the year after they got chris carson in granted he was a seventh round pick the year after they took him they got rashad penny in the first round uh that didn't pan out too well and um you yeah. know if they do cut DJ him Dallas, after,
1: Travis Homer, yeah, there's guys they brought in. There's
0: bodies at least, you know. There's there, there competition there. And if Seattle does cut him after this year, or or gets rid of him after this year, he'll be a 28 year old free agent running back. And you know, I don't really care who you are. That's that's hard to sell to any. Team wanting to bring in running back talent because they can find a guy in the fifth round of the draft that is faster than you are right now, um, probably in better shape, and uh, you know doesn't have the miles on Less wearing the tires, yeah. Yeah, doesn't. So, have the so since their you're legs. talking about
1: it, that, that the contract was something I was going to talk about too. Uh, you mm-hmm. talk about the potential out after this season. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent in uh, 2023. But as far as the potential out next season, I don't see the route to that happening. Because of the really? guys that you talked about behind him, Rashad Penny, at this point we know he's not staying healthy. and I think uh, Penny's going into a contract year also, so – I, I, because they they denied his option, right, his fifth year option. Yeah, they didn't pick it up. Because they spent the number what twenty one pick on a running back. Because they're smart, and then uh, <laughs> so he's not the replacement for the future. You didn't see anything out of DJ Dallas or Travis Homer last year to make them think that they could carry the load. Like uh, unless for some Alex reason Chris Collins, Carson, baby. Yeah, that definitely not. <laughs> uh, the, no, no, great stat. I was saving, but since you brought the name name up, I'm gonna bring it up. The last time. That Chris Carson was not a top 18 running back, Alex Collins was. That's how long Ooh. it's been. Three oh, straight wow. years as a top 18 <laughs> running back. Got him smooth. Oh, but yeah. anyway, going back to the guys behind him, Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, you can stench these guys, stash these guys at the end of your bench. Stench is probably the right word because these guys aren't. don't <laughs> sure. have it. They're, they're not replacement running backs. Chris Carson is Mr. Dependable in, in some ways like, as far as the full season because he misses games every single year. He's never played a full season. That's probably his biggest hit. And it's just because the guy runs like he shot out of a cannon like he's a man on fire searching out contact one of those real old school nitty-gritty Pete Carroll type running back so I don't think he's going anywhere into 2022 2023 maybe they readdress maybe they spend some capital maybe they go in free agency this upcoming season but I, I don't see for 2022 Chris Carson's job being in jeopardy for any reason
0: yeah, I mean, when I said that they have that potential out, I was kind of, uh, you know, wrong of me to do so, but I was kind of assuming rational decision making. <laughs> but, uh you know, when a team drafts a running back in the first round and doesn't really try to address the offensive line for a decade, uh, then... Yeah, you can't really assume that. And maybe they do. I mean, they definitely like him. Um, There was rumors that they weren't going to bring him back after this year, but they got that contract done fairly early. I mean, they got it
1: done in March.
0: So, yeah, I could see a Pat Tim staying there. What do you think about the ADP? you think there's value here?
1: Him going 23 in Dynasty? So, in redraft, I love the ADP of of RB16. I think that's a pretty good spot for him, but... The RB16 is a little misleading because although he's the RB16 he's going a full round later than the low end RB1s, the RB12 RB13. You can get Chris Carson a round or two after these guys because he always seems to be that tier break for people after you get past the Joe Mixon's, Najee Harris uh, some of the other guys we're going to talk about, DeAndre Swift. Once you get past sort of that tier of these younger running backs, no one wants to get Chris Carson and he ends up falling for another round or two. So I think he goes at a, at a value most of the time. As far as the running back 23 in dynasty i think that's fine too like sorry if that's a lukewarm take they call me lukewarm lyle for a reason but i'm <laughs> i'm fine with that dynasty adp because i think he's got two more years of rb2 production and then you kick the can down the road and i'm yeah. fine with spending that kind of capital for it
0: you got lukewarm lyle and the piggyback <laughs> profit. <laughs> what a show holy shit, man all right let's move on to our last running back Your boy, guy that's been on your fantasy team here for, what, a year or so. He is going one spot before Chris Carson, but he's going 15 spots ahead of Chris Carson in Dynasty. And that is DeAndre Swift going 15 in redraft, the eighth running back in Dynasty. So let's start us off here on DeAndre Swift.
1: So you and I both got some shares of DeAndre Swift. He can't be my guy. You just picked him in a startup. Congratulations to you. I got him in a best ball league. I
0: got him in a startup. I like him a lot. All
1: right. So uh, DeAndre Swift, let's start with the redraft ADP, RB15. I think that's probably a little on the low side, assuming that this ADP, which this one is, is giving you any sort of points for receptions. That's how he's going to present to you his uh, floor week in, week out, and also his ceiling because it's him hawking nobody. That 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 should be the name of a team, like with DeAndre Swift on. It's him, it's Hawk, and it's nobody. I'm not worried about any other (laughs) pass catchers over there in Detroit. He's probably he was on pace outside the injury for sixty catches last season. And that was before the Lions led the league and vacated targets. And DeAndre Swift is gonna be right as a rookie who was playing less than 50% uh, for most of the games. But the games that he was able to get on the field and get over 50% of his snaps, he averaged 15.62 half PPR points per game during that time. That would have put him as the RB11. So he was already proving how efficient he was last season once he got the job. Now, obviously, Adrian Peterson's gone. Carrion Johnson's gone. It's him and it's Jamal Williams. And I don't expect Jamal Williams to have much more of an impact on DeAndre Swift than he had on Aaron Jones in Green Bay, which was he was still a mid-range RB1. I think it's not out of the range of possibility to see DeAndre Swift finish 2021 as a mid-range RB1. And as far as his dynasty ADP, RB8. I might sort of backtrack that and say that that might be a little rich for me. There's a lot of running backs in that area that I I would pay that sort of premium for. RB8 is a little bit high. I think you're drafting him around his ceiling there. So I don't know if I pay that price. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if he does return that value. I just think that's being drafted somewhere closer to his ceiling
0: yeah we're, we're around the the time of the year where redraft content is really flying you know it's coming at you at all different angles and it seems like a lot of people are lower on deandre swift than i thought they'd be i honestly thought you know he'd be uh he'd be a go get you go get him kind of guy from a lot. everyone of analysts. they're just
1: scared of the stench of detroit that, that's really all it comes that, down
0: to that and I, I hear a lot of talk about jamal williams and
1: Oh, my gosh. If, if I hear the if I hear DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams be called the 1-2 punch or the 1A, one 1B one, one more time in this mm. offseason, I'm going to punch whatever's within three feet of me. It's, <laughs> it's so overplayed at this point. I don't care. I don't want to talk shit about Jamal Ad
0: or Jamal Swift? Jamal Swift. What? Jamal, Jamal Adams. Williams. Jamal Swift. <laughs> Jamal Williams. Did you see that pre- that press conference he did? Oh, my That's yeah, hilarious. where he made
1: the guys uh, play paper oxy. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. So, a silly I, it, it's a business, have. man. You got to let people go sometimes. No one plays the same place for forever. But, my God, Green Bay fans miss that, man. i tell All you right. what, dude. He, he's he's a joy to have. It's it's a waste having him in Detroit, the most depressing city in all of the NFL cities, and you put the happiest guy <laughs> in football there. Hopefully he turns the program around because, man, yeah. that dude is a treasure. They took, that, they took that title from Cleveland a few years ago. Yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> but Cleveland yeah, Jamal started winning games. Got yeah. people smiling over there in Detroit. It's good to see. But I don't think you're going to see him taking any smiles away from DeAndre Swift owners. I, I think the redraft ADP is way low. I think the... Dynasty ADP is about right. Because I can't, like you said earlier, I can't convince myself to take him over some of the studs that that are almost locked and loaded top six picks in non-Superflex Dynasty Leagues. And then... After those guys, you start to get in the conversation of do you want him over or JK Dobbins? Do you want him or right. um you know there's just a lot other... of guys in
1: that tier Antonio Gibson, yeah, Joe Antonio Mixon, Gibson, Najee, Najee Harris, Austin Anto- yep. Alston Eckler. There's a massive tier there.
0: Him being a second year running back, that's definitely where their value almost peaks in fantasy. It's like you're a second year running back that showed some promise, you're going to go high. So that and, it, and it doesn't he does surprise it all. me. Yeah. And he does yeah. it all exactly. He's a great pass catcher. Uh so shout out to the Philly boy DeAndre Swift. I think he's great and i don't think that you're really getting a value in dynasty but i would not blame you if you take him as the eighth running back Uh, but redraft is where you're really getting your value at if you get him at rb15 you got to be smiling
1: for sure yep we are in lockstep on this one
0: amen moving on to quarterbacks we're going to start with Jalen hurts Jalen hurts is going as the ninth quarterback in redraft and the 14th quarterback in dynasty this one is probably the most easy to assume why He's going a little bit later in Dynasty than he is in Redraft. But let me just lay it out for you. So we got, you know, let's look in the past for guys that have similar situations, right? Lamar Jackson heading into 2019, he wasn't quite yet the guy that we thought he, or that, that we think of now when we think of Lamar Jackson. And he was being drafted later in drafts, closer to where Jalen Hurts is being drafted in Dynasty leagues. And he ended up being the MVP that year. So he set a precedent for guys that use their legs, um, young quarterbacks that haven't necessarily come into their own yet followed that up with Kyler Murray in 2020. He's the later round quarterback that everybody's hunting. He comes in and has a great 2020 uh, before some injuries, but still finishes solid. Jalen Hurts is the next iteration in that story. The only difference is the Eagles didn't spend a first round pick and try to get this guy as a franchise quarterback. He was a backup plan to Carson Wentz that they ended up having to call in. And when they called him in, he he played solid. Uh, Nothing to really write home about, but his Fantasy performance was great. I mean, he had a forty-point week. He had uh, two other twenty-plus-point weeks. Um, exactly what you're looking for out of a fantasy quarterback. The scary thing is, is are the Eagles invested in him? I don't think so. I think they want to get Deshaun Watson there. Um, so you got to think that he's not going to be in Philly for a while if they do, in fact, get the or uh, Deshaun Watson because he's already going to be in his second year of a four-year deal, having been a second-round pick. So. He's either going to be included in that deal and he's heading to Houston, or he's going to be a backup in uh, you know twelve months from now. That's if they make that move for for Deshaun Watson.
1: Let's let's look at that because that is something I think that's turning off a lot of Jalen Hurts owners is the possibility of Deshaun Watson. And this is obviously so. Let's assume Deshaun Watson's playing football for a living, okay? And he is traded to Philadelphia. I, I don't see that trade happening without Jalen Hurts going back to Houston. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think he probably does. And If he does go back to Houston, I think this is something for Tua owners to take into account as well, is they're most likely headed back to Houston where all they've got to beat is an ancient Tyrod Taylor and a late day two pick in uh, Davis Mills. So they probably win that starting job and they're still a starting quarterback. So I don't think their value is just non-existent anymore should they go to Houston. So that's just something to think about if you are worried about a Deshaun Watson trade sort of erasing one of these two guys, that they're not just completely erased as long as they're included with that deal. They do have some upside if they end up in Houston.
0: Totally. And
1: I think what you can count on is that
0: no matter where he goes, the only way he's successful as a real-life NFL quarterback is by using his legs. So the Konami is always going to be there for a Jalen Hurts, so as long as he's on the field and he's and he's playing, he's gonna give you that rushing floor. Okay, so yeah. as long as he's in the NFL and he's playing, he's probably a top ten quarterback or a right. top
1: twelve quarterback. And that explains um, pretty easily his redraft ADP as a top ten quarterback. Totally. For me in Dynasty QB fourteen, uh, as great as that upside is, I don't know if I'm willing to pay that QB fourteen price. The th- so three real quick three full games that he played back in two thousand twenty. And they were against New Orleans Saints, Arizona Cardinals, and Dallas Cowboys. So two awful defenses and one maybe, I mean, at that point in the season, they were just an okay defense. His completion percentage for those three weeks ranked 44th in the NFL out of 49 eligible quarterbacks. It was a 54% completion percentage, which is actually an increase on his season-long completion percentage if you include those partial games, which was just 52%. So... He wasn't a good thrower of the football. Like you said, his legs were great. There's a lot of potential moving forward in Philadelphia in the receiving game, but it's not set to peak in the next year or two, I don't think. I still think we're probably a couple years, maybe three or four years away from that passing game really getting to its peak with the weapons that they have in place there. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy who's going to bring it out of him. I, I, I think I'm punning on that situation in Dynasty. In Redraft, all the upside is there, like you said. I'm a fan. But Dynasty, uh, high range, high, high range QB2 is is just too expensive for me.
0: So he's sandwiched between two vets. I want to get your opinion on uh, Jalen Hurts over or under Ryan Tannehill. Who would you rather have?
1: Uh, Tannehill probably every time because I think Tannehill has got at least a couple years left in the league. I don't know if Jalen Hurts has even that. So I'll take Tannehill even though the massive age difference.
0: And the other guy he's he's tucked in right next to is Matt Stafford.
1: Yeah. Same thing. I'll take Stafford. Stafford and Tannehill, those guys are so close to me. Depending on any given day, I'll have one ranked higher than the other. But both Did you have, know they're both 33 they years upside. old? Yeah, those those two and Russell Wilson, they're all right there in the same area.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also have the two rookie uh, quarterbacks a lot of people are talking about. They're going a few spots ahead of him, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I think that's smart. Totally take them ahead. And also another guy that's roughly around there is Tua Tagovailoa. So another another Alabama quarterback a guy that actually took Jalen Hurts' job. Who would you rather have there, Jalen Hurts or Tua?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I think it's Tua because although Hurts provides the upside with his legs, I'm looking for Tua to take a big jump with his arm this year given the weapons that they brought in, like – Tua got such a bad rep last year, man, but look at that Miami passing game and the fact that all they had was Devontae Parker. He missed a big portion of the season while Tua was there. Tua was throwing to nobody, and I never hear this excuse for the guy. is the fact that, yes, yeah, passing numbers weren't great because he was throwing to nobody, and it's because Ryan Fitzpatrick was chucking up Hail Mary's 40 yards downfield every other play, and it just happened to work out for him. You, you can't sustain entire seasons, much less entire careers like that, so I expect Tua to take that step forward. Give me him over Jalen Hurts.
0: I agree with you. I think I would take two over Jalen Hurts. But the way I look at Jalen Hurts in Dynasty is that if his ADP is 14 or anywhere around the mid-tier quarterback two, um, you're probably getting him as your second quarterback in Superflex. So if you're getting him as your second quarterback in Superflex, I really like taking that shot. Because if he does pan out, you have whatever quarterback you took in the first round, which is probably a a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, a Dak Prescott, and then you also have Jalen Hurts which is, you know, if he hits, that's that right there is almost
1: a lock to get you in the playoffs. I get that move. That that makes it a little bit more appealing to me. I I still don't think I'd do it, but if I have one of those top six or seven, depending on where your tier break is, quarterbacks – the upside of and if Hurts does hit, you're right. It's it's really appealing. So th- then I guess I could think about it, but I still I don't think I'd do it. I'd much rather wait a few rounds and grab somebody like the next quarterback we're going to talk about in Zach Wilson. He's going right now as the quarterback 19, so five spots after Jalen Hurts. But in redraft, he's going all the way down as the QB 28. My God. This man was the 102. He was the second pick behind the most easy 101 we've had in what 9 years, 10 years. And obviously he's not going to go ahead of Trevor Lawrence, but Zach Wills was the king Jack, Zach Wilson rather was the king of all the rest. He was Zach the 102. <laughs> Zach Willowmaker was so freaking fantastic <laughs> at BYU. Listen to this what this guy did, man. His quarterback or sorry, his career QBR, yards per attempt breakout age, all these things are 90th percentile or better. He had 642 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns in his 30 career NFL games. So although he's not running like your Jalen Hurts or your Lamar Jackson's or your Kyler Murray's, he does present the ability to run the football. He was third in college football last year in passing yards and touchdowns. He was second in completion percentage, passing efficiency, and overall points responsible for. It. This dude built up quite a resume under the radar. I think Mac Jones got a lot of the attention as far as quarterbacks go last year. I think Zach Wilson is Mac Jones with more upside.
0: I keep saying it when, when we do, when we are anytime we talk about rookie quarterbacks, but especially when we talk about Zach Wilson, is that these guys are sound investments you're not gonna you know kick yourself about taking a rookie quarterback because they're val- they, they sustain their value they hold their value they're like a 2013 toyota tacoma four-wheel <laughs> drive with the lift kit you know the whole nine yards this is an 81 honda how dare you they're great investments they hold their value and if and when you're ready to get out from under them you can, and you'll get something back for him. You know, these aren't these aren't bust tight ends or wide receivers that, you know, like a Nikhil Harry. You know, in five years, if Zach Wilson is a mid-tier quarterback too in super flex, you're getting something for that guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. not. You're, you're not just going to have to let him rot on your bench or cut him. So take these rookie quarterbacks and don't think twice about it. Hopefully you get one of the top three guys from this class. Obviously like those three better. But at 28, it's a complete steal to get – Zach Wilson that late in redraft and nineteenth. Um, if you look at the other guys going around him, I mean, you got Baker Mayfield going around him, Carson Wentz who we just give talked Zach about Wilson. with the injury.
1: Give me uh, Zach Wilson. Kirk Cousins definitely give me Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, Zach Wilson is more upside than all these guys. And yeah, you just named starting. three guys without upside. Yep. Yeah, and he's I starting. Mean, Carson
1: might have some, but not, not with a broken leg, so or exactly. broken foot, whatever it is. But and yeah, he's, give starting, me Zach Wilson he's starting week
0: one, so you can still start him right, like right away. You don't have to. Sit and wait and have a backup plan. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just I like Zach Wilson as a player. I definitely like his ADP and I think he's a great guy to end with because you're getting value in redraft and dynasty.
1: So do you think he's worth rostering in one quarterback redraft leagues? Because I think most people are on board with the dynasty mm. ADP. And obviously in Superflex, you you've got to have the probably the third quarterback there. Is he worth picking up in a one quarterback league?
0: If you really punt the quarterback position.
1: Then yes, yeah. like if your last yeah. two
0: round picks are quarterbacks, then yeah. But <laughs> be an probably, interesting strat. Yeah, I'm probably not taking them though, because because you got to think the top fifteen guys. Like the last one we talked about was Jalen Hurts. Like I would rather have Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of good. Quarterbacks, yeah, there's man. just so many guys I'd rather have. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, probably not. That'll do it. That's the end of our little redraft dynasty. ADP dispersion section.
1: Oh, keep show. going. It
0: was good, yeah. <laughs> Whatever I could throw in there, I was going to throw in. But we have one final segment before we close it out.
1: Hey, you remember uh, Corey Dillon? I do. He, I, I'd never had him on any fantasy teams, but I, I do remember taking sever, several handoffs with him in Madden throughout the years.
0: Yeah, I remember him in NFL Street. Great play! Oh yeah, NFL that was Street. even
1: better. NFL Fantastic Street. God, player. what a game! <laughs> yeah, Gosh. You come out with another one of those. Do, I was gonna say, do you think we'll ever see another game like that? Oh yeah, for sure. How, how long? Because we haven't seen one of those games like they it was that, and like- it was. Uh, like MLB high heat or whatever where you could like punch the, the guy bigs. on third base as you came around the bigs
0: you remember the bigs the bigs yeah uh, that was a game back know, in i don't the day. that one
1: gosh uh. and uh yeah and they had all the oh we were just watching this at work the other day the uh the NBA street games you remember oh, yeah. those They're dude awesome. those were so much fun man we need more arcade style video games don't since get me madden loaded. Since Madden has completely shit the bed and like all these games are all about like microtransactions and stuff and they just make their whole game centered around those parts of it now. We need some of these arcade games to make a comeback. They will. And I think
0: with the new gen consoles coming, like I think that's their prime for a reload. You know, they're coming back. I mean think about uh NBA Jams, like everybody yeah. loves that. Same, yeah, game. same style, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, maybe we don't need to punch everybody, but the arcade-style video game should come back. <laughs> no, we need to bring back the brawls. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I tried to keep it PC and go with the times, but dude, yeah, you're right. We Brian need to Dawkins, that, I think that's probably oh, why he's
0: my dude. favorite player of all time because I used to play with him in sure. NFL Street.
1: <laughs> gosh, Clay Matthews was just a few years too late. I could yeah. imagine because he's my favorite defensive player. I, gosh, to see him on one of those games, he would have oh, yeah. been freaking outstanding. He'd be a savage in that game.
0: All right, that'll do it. Say goodbye to the beautiful people. Tell them where they can find us.
1: Yes, hit us up on Twitter at FFlexicution. Find all the up-to-the-date content minus the clickbait at Flexicution on Twitter. Follow me at FFMasterDebater. Awesome, guys. Have a good one. Love you. Okay, bye. Peace.